Hello guys and welcome back to another installment or continuation of Galley Stories, Stories of the Bering Sea and Beyond. I am your host Mark Kaler with Howard Malcolm from the FV Northern Patriot currently. Right. But I think at this point we're just getting on the Golden Pisces or Golden Pride. Golden Pride. Golden Pride. Yeah. Let's so, let's continue this roll. Okay, so um, on the Golden Pride, and it was an 86 foot joint venture boat. Joint ventures where we are catching fish and we are delivering the bags. We do not bring the fish on board. We're delivering the bags of fish to foreign processors. Uh, our market on that boat was uh, the Russians and uh, the Soviets at that point. And so there was a fleet of fleet of processors out there, all foreign and, and you know, there was Japanese and Korean and German and, and Soviets and, and Taiwanese and, you know, and everyone kind of had their little market. Our market was the Soviets. And uh, so we're delivering amongst, you know, there was multitude of American boats out there doing this. And by this time, I had progressed. You know, I was, geez, I was, I was the deck boss on the Golden Pride, and then became the engineer. And you know, and I was, I'd already, you know, been taught how to engineer from a, a very fine fellow, uh, John Justad. I got to give him props. He really taught me a lot. That was in '83. I was on the Western Viking with him for a whole year, and very fine fellow, and uh, really taught me a lot. Taught me a lot about Indrum, taught me a lot about how to run a boat. So anyway, so I'm on the Golden Pride, and I know that this boat is unsafe. I mean, I just know it, right? What, making, what's, what's giving you that? What's, because it is, it's, it just heals over too hard. It's, it's too fast of, of flip-flopping back and forth. It um, Was it ballast? Or? It, it, was, it was just too tender. It was known as a tender boat. Okay, and a tender boat doesn't mean it's a fish tender, right? You know, it's, it means two different things. It means it's too top-heavy. It rolls too much. It, it, it leans over. It doesn't right itself. So it just, not enough ballast down below. You know, something's kind of wrong. And we just knew it. We just knew this boat was, I always knew this boat was going to sink. How many years on, the, on, the, on, on, on boats at this point when you were... So I got on there in 85, I started in 79, so six years. I just knew throughout my tenure on there, I just knew it was going to sink. I knew it was. I just didn't think it would ever happen with me on board, right? Because like I, I told people, now for steaming, never put the rudder hard over because we'll probably roll. And the reason I knew that is we were leaving the, the fuel dock in Dutch Harbor, just had gotten done fueling up. And the skipper was, was going full speed, and he put the rudder hard over and it buried this, the uh, rail on the boat, the main deck rail. It was, it was underwater, water pouring over the side. And I just went, and he went, woo, you know, he was a, he was a fill-in guy. And, and, I, and I just went, whoa, holy crap, right? Anyway, so now I'm on there, and I was still working it. And it was in 87, September of 87. And uh, we had gone out. We'd left town. It was blowing. It was one of those typical things where they tell you, you know, it's never just one event. It's many events. And the skipper says, we're leaving town. We'd been in town for four days. Says, why are we leaving town? You know, it's blowing out there. And he goes, yeah, but I spent too much money in the bar. 
how much have you spent? He goes, well, I spent a hundred bucks. That ain't nothing. You know, that's, that's entrance fee for one night for me, you know? And he goes, no, 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 we're leaving. So we go on out and, and he was going to duck into Actan, got to Actan. Well, it's not so bad. We'll just keep on going. We're going out to fish codfish off of Unimac. And so we got what, out. What's the gear you're using? Bottom gear. Bottom gear. We're bottom fishing. That whole time on there was just bottom fishing. So all we did was bottom fish. It was yellowfin, sole, and cod. That's what we did. Big net, just dragging on the bottom. Yep, yep. So we um, we got out there, and it was too rough to fish, and we started jogging. And then the captain said, you know what? We're going to start drifting. What? You never drift when it's that shitty, right? And it was it was blowing northwest 45, 50. And so, and... And you never drift. You never drift in that kind of seas, you know. But the, the boat did drift well. It was tender as shit, you know. But it did, I, I will say this, it did drift well. I mean, it was so comfortable. It just barely rolled. Kind of. So we're, we're laying there drifting. It's the middle of the day. And getting in the afternoon. And the skipper's in his bunk. I don't know, said he was sleeping and, you know, reading something. And a uh, guy up on, on radio watch. You know, that's what we called it. You know, you're drifting just on radio watch, just hanging out up there. And then my brother Don, and, and who was a deckhand at the time, and me were hanging out in the galley watching TV. And all of a sudden, we took this wave. And you know how a surfer gets tubed? This wave tubed the boat. Just all the way around it, we got tubed. And it laid the boat over to where it kind of got to a normal stopping point and we hung there and we just hung there and then we just barely started to come back and we got tubed by a second wave and it just laid us over and that was all she wrote we we're just laying on our side and water is pouring in it's four in the afternoon so it's still daylight out and water is pouring in you look out the galley window that's where i was at this in the galley i'm looking out the galley window and all i'm seeing is just green water water <coughs> water is pouring in there you know and we are not coming back we're laying flat sideways and all the wheel all the survival suits were in the galley up on top of the refrigerator so Don scrambles up the stairs, which is now sideways. You know, he gets himself up there and he's going, toss me a survival suit, toss me. So there's four people on board. There's four survival suits. And two, there goes one, two, two, two more. And I can't find the fourth one. And he's going, where is it? Where is it? I'm going, I don't know. And I'm sloshing, now I'm sloshing around in water. I'm walking on the, on the wall. I'm up to my knees in water, up to my ankles, quickly filling up, up to my knees, and I'm sloshing around in water, and all the debris that's floating around, the salt and pepper shakers, and I mean everything, right? It's just floating, and I'm walking around. Thank God it was it was daytime, because there was we had no emergency lights on board. You know, if it would have been dark, I would have been toast. That would have been it, because... He finally, and he's laying on his belly, looking over, you know, from the stairwell, which is now sideways, of course. He's looking over, and he finds, the, sees my survival suit all the way up forward in the four-peak uh, stateroom. He goes, it's up in the four-peak, it's up in the four-peak, which is too, there was the stateroom up there. So I slog my way through the water, I got it, and I get it back. By this time, I'm up to about, about my crotch in water. 
and I hand it to him and I get on up the stairwell and I get up there by the time I get up there the other two guys are in their survival suits Don is putting on his survival suit and here now I am soaking wet up to my waist and so you know wet skin on the survival yeah, yeah. suit doesn't really work and I'm trying to get in and there we're up outside on the side of the boat in this storm that's raging and I'm trying to get the survival suit on I did get with their help I get it on I get it zipped up and I said did you get and the skipper's in a little bit of a shock at this point and I said did you get a matey off he goes no I didn't get a matey off so then I climb back in the wheelhouse and I go down it was starboard side in the in the was down and you know all which is the driver's side you know the boat and so i go down there and i pick up this mic out of the that's laying in the water and i pick it up and i go mayday and i do a whole mayday and nothing comes back and i just drop it back down the water and i climb back out and then we're like we gotta get this the life raft loose so then we get the we get up there and and the hydrostatic release will not release until the boat is 15 feet underwater right well so and but there's a button that this time is a stainless steel kind of round assembly that had a button on it and you hit that button and it released it so i so i grabbed but it was, it was sideways and there's nowhere to stand there's nothing so i'm holding on to the rail and i'm swinging my body up i'm trying to kick it with the top of my foot kind of soccer and I reach and I finally and I get it and I kick that button and it releases and it goes out and it pops then we get the line that's still attached you know like it's supposed to be and we're going how do we get this loose we didn't we'd never at that point you hadn't seen a life raft actually inflated in like in a in a shop for servicing you know so you didn't really know what was what to expect and so we didn't know that it would come loose so we decided we need to cut it loose, but we didn't have any, we didn't have any knives with us. So we decided, let's burn it. I said, let's burn it. Let's get a handheld flare. Let's burn that line. So we popped a handheld because we had some flares with us. We popped a handheld flare and we got the line and we 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 used a flare to to burn through the line. And then we're all holding on to the line. The line got burnt and threw the flare out, and we're all kind of holding on to it. By this time, the boat is rolling. You know, turning turtle, as they say, it's rolling belly up. You know, the keel's coming up out of the water, and we're go now we're no longer on the all wheelhouse. Four on the boat. All four of us, and we're all in our survival suits. We're all four, and and it's going now. We're no longer on the wheelhouse. We're actually on the hull of the boat, and we're starting to go up there. And then we're all hanging on, and then a wave breaks over the keel of the boat and washes us all in the water, and which. I think it was in retrospect was a good thing that we had burnt the line loose because we're all hanging on because we all kind of went out there and I was third in line. It was Craig McGone of the, of the McGone family that has, that had McGone Marine up there as Dan McGone and Dave McGone and, and then, and then Craig McGone. And so Craig was, and then my brother Don was, those two were the first two. I was third in line. And then, and then Gary the skipper was in the back and he's just kind of laying there. But I'll say this, when I went in the water, I was underwater. You know, the wave had washed and I'm underwater and I couldn't breathe cause you're underwater, you know, and always had water around. And I remember on the survival suit bag, it says, 
just relax. You cannot sink. And that came to mind. So I just relaxed and poof, pop. I just popped to the surface. I had since let go of the line, but then I felt the line underneath my, in my armpit, and I clamped down on it, I got it. And I looked behind me, and Gary was back there, the captain, and he was kind of laying there, and I started yelling, Gary, Gary. Yeah, and he kind of popped too, and I go, come on. And he goes, I, and I go, come on, Gary, you gotta go. And so he grabbed, and the line was still there, and he got, and we all pulled ourselves to the life raft, and we got in the life raft. And those guys helped us all in. And it was a six-man life raft, and, and there was four of us. And I got to tell you, it was it was tight. You know, I could not believe. I'm thinking there's going to be some room, you know. there It's tight. How how you could fit six guys in there, I don't know. We were four, and it was tight. You know, we're all in. And which is, but the, the waves are, are tossing us and turning us and to the point where we're, we're going almost vertical, and we're having to throw, all of us were tossing our weight up to the uphill side so we don't go all the way over, you know. You're, and trying, to, you're trying to jog inside of the raft. True, and, and, and it's twisting and it's turning and you're getting jerked around because it has a, has a drogue out there, a sea anchor. And, you know, you're doing that. So And the skipper's getting seasick, which is pretty common, actually. They tell you the first thing you got to do is, is get your seasick medicine out and take it. And uh, so... But we, you know, we hadn't done that, and he's getting seasick, and oh, geez, it was it was mayhem, you know, it it was chaos. Finally, it kind of came down just a little bit, and we're kind of settled in, and we got used. We're still getting jerked around. We're still having to pitch ourselves to the high side, but the but the novelty of it all, you know, kind of had worn off. We're kind of getting used to okay, this is what we're doing, and we're actually talking a little bit at this point. Then we hear a boat boat's engine oh god there's a boat there and we open up the flap and we look outside and here's one of these foreign motherships going by and we had the flares out we knew we had two parachute flares and so and this been because you already used one well no we used a handheld flare okay okay so there's two flares in the boat in in the raft or daytime at this point it's still daytime getting towards nighttime but still daytime so we popped a flare off. And I mean, that boat was, it was probably a quarter, maybe a half mile away, but probably a quarter mile away. It was, it was there, right? And we popped the flare off and it just kept on going. And that's when we kind of knew, oh, we're screwed. Well, we're screwed. But we're trying to keep, you know, now we're starting to think about, well, is your boat down by now? Is it's your... down. It's down. It had sunk. We watched it sink, you know, and it, it went down. It finally went down. The bow first. The stern was the last thing. But, you know, the typical black smoke coming out and, and you know, bubbles and, you know, the last little bit. And, you know, and it's, it's sliding underwater. Yeah. So now we're turning our talk towards... Okay, it's blowing northwest. We're over here. We're off Unimac Island, so we're going to end up on Unimac Island. Where on Unimac are we going to end up? Because the wind's going to blow us on Unimac. And are the bears still alive? I mean, they're obviously alive, but are they awake? Are they hibernating or are they awake? And are we going to land on a sandy beach or is it going to be a rocky beach? What do we need to prepare for? And when we get on the beach, do we need to be prepared to, to run for our lives because of bears? You know, what, what year was this? This is 1987. What was on that survival boat? 
I mean, because now there's like snacks and there's. Well, no, there was food. There's food and water, and you, you have the the rations. You have the Solus pack. It's back even back then. You had the Solus pack. Yeah, you did. You had the Solus pack. You had essentially everything. I think probably you had everything then that you have now, because they had de developed. Line. Yeah, there was not the EPIRB though. Now you have EPIRB on board. See, EPIRBs were just coming around, and you did not have the 406 uh, satellite EPIRB at the time. You only had the uh, 208, 208 megahertz, 205, whatever, and that could only be picked up by aircraft. And in fact, the owner, we wanted one of those for the boat, and the owner says, uh, no, it's too expensive. I think it was 2000 bucks. He goes, you can get a new Loran. Of course, GPS wasn't a thing at that time. It's Loran. He goes, you can get a new Loran or you can get an EPIRB. And he goes, you can't trust those EPIRBs. And they're too expensive anyway. So you got a new Loran. You got a Loran. You know where you're going to be. Mm -hmm. Great. Thanks, Buster. And uh, so and so, we had, I forgot where I was now. Uh, oh, you're sinking. You're yeah, fucking sinking. Okay. Oh, so yeah. we had shot Both this first flight. Okay, so we have one flare left. We have one flare left, and and so we um, we're deciding if we should fire it, when we should fire it. Well, we're not going to fire it until we hear another boat. So we see another boat go by. We hear another boat. We open up the flap. We see another boat go by, and we have this discussion: should we fire it or not? It's our last thing. Should we do it? It's still kind of daylight this time. We decide, let's fire it. It's right there. It's fire. So we fired it. And that boat kept on steaming by us. It was another foreign joint venture boat. It kept on going by us. And now our hearts sunk. We had some handheld flares on board still, you know, in the life raft. But we didn't have any parachute flares, you know. So we closed it up and we were feeling pretty down at this point. And so we we were settled into we were going to have to ride it out. This is this is the thing. Okay, we're not going to drink any water for a certain amount of time. We're not going to eat for 24 hours. You know, we're talking about all this stuff that we got to do, right? And then we heard another boat noise. And we open up the curtain that whole, you know, and we and we look out and here is the bow of the Amfish, which is now the ocean piece. And it, the time is about a 220 foot factory trawler. And they are coming right at us. And there is multiple people up on the bow and they're all waving to us. Hmm. And, and so, so my God, we're saved, we're saved. And so, so they came up and they, they pulled alongside us. They got us on their lee side and they threw us a line. They got us a line. They had the Jacob ladder down. Well, by this time I was cold because my, the top bottom half of my body was wet. Well, the top half of my body was gotten all wet too. And I could barely grip things, you know, really couldn't, you know, and I was losing, I was cold. I was going into hypothermia. And so, but they had, the other guys were dry, so they were good. Then the, someone on the boat decided that they're going to pull us to the stern and they're going to pull us up the stern ramp, you know, with this little heaving line. Well, 
it doesn't take any rocket science to figure out that's not going to happen. You know, there's a lot of weight. And anyway, but they pulled us down the stern and, and they're pulling us up to the stern ramp. All this, it's still, it's still heavy weather, you know, it's still big seas. Well, this boat is coming out of the water about five feet and it is going in the water 10, 15 feet, whatever, you know, it's going down and it's coming up and it's going down and they're pulling us in there and it's going up the hydraulics of it you know we're getting sucked in and we got about i don't know we're getting closer we're getting five feet four feet three feet and i'm in the back of the life raft and i can see it we're going to get squished like a bug you know that's just it we're going to get squished like a bug and i'm trying to rip the canopy of this life raft open to to get out to escape you know and finally Finally, someone said, you know, up on the ship, put her head and, and right then, you know, it came up and I saw the propeller, saw the rudder and, and it started making prop wash and we got shoved out and they came around and, and they put us back on their lee side and they picked us up and, and we climbed up the Jake, the, the Jacob's ladder and, and I got, I was, I don't know what line I was at. But I know I was kind of towards the end, but I got, I got up to the rail and all of a sudden I felt like Peter Pan because I just, and there was these two, I don't know, four, I don't know how many. There was, there was several large Samoans up at the rail and they just grabbed me and they just flinged me over the rail. And were, you, were you the size you are now? Because you're like six foot seven or something. I'm, I'm, I was six five and a, I was six five and two thirty, two twenty at the time. Two, maybe yeah. Because you're not a small man. No, no. I was probably six. I was definitely. I was all six five, and yeah, two hundred something, you know. And yeah, I just Peter Pan myself right over the rail. They just <laughs> grabbed me, you know. It was um, it was a weird feeling, you know. So, but we're safe. And and they took us to town, and oh, I was still, you know, to this day thankful, you know, blessed that they that we were found and, and stuff. And and so all four guys were okay. all four guys, all four guys. And and, and I your really brother was on there. And my brother was on there. Does he yeah. still fish? He's dead. Oh. He's passed. He fished right up until he got stomach cancer. He got stomach cancer in twenty late twenty fifteen, and he passed in early twenty sixteen. But fish till then. Fish till then, right up. Yeah, he he became a he became a halib mainly halibut fisherman fishing out in the uh way out in the lucians um and uh did quite well no 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 way out we're talking amchitka oh yeah delivering into uh atka and adak but way out there fishing fishing semi support fishing at you know i think he made it all the way out to Atu on a fairly regular basis yeah he was fishing the, the western part of the chain yeah and uh, and then he did that until uh, a couple of years before he, he passed. He he had, uh, bought a southeast skillnet permit and boat, and 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 that's what he transitioned to. It's going to be his retirement boat, you know, done with the long line, and, mm-hmm. 
and uh, so gonna have my family on board and, and that's what he did so so from there I I was at, at that point in 1987 I just had moved down to Oregon and Patty and I uh, we are married at this point uh, you get a house? And yeah, bought a house down there. Windows? Uh, when it was indoor plumbing? Well, had indoor plumbing, but it only had a wood stove. <laughs> <laughs> well, had, you, you, yeah. ma- you mastered that art. Oh, uh, we mastered that art. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so, and we got that because the the Golden Pride had just been in shipyard down in Newport, and we we had a house down there, and we just thought, you know what? What am I gonna do? And Patty says, "You know what? You, you really got your shit together on these boats. You really do. Yeah, you sink what, with one. We, you walk no, with no. As, but as far as you know, she, you know, people talk, and and I was starting to get a reputation as being a kind of that 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 go-to guy. You know, that that the guy that's you know got potential, right? She goes, you know what? You don't got a boat. You're not tethered down. You need to get your captain's license. So I go, you know, I think I think I got a yeah, I think that's right. So so I came up, I ch- checked it out and didn't have anything ready. And so I started contacting all these companies, all these boats, all these past skippers, you know, and and start having them sign off on sea time and got myself signed up to um captain's class over here it was called sea school um at fisherman's terminal and signed myself up for that rented a place up here and we came up here and i went in two weeks two weeks of hardcore eating breathing shitting navigation that's what i did you know eight in the morning till 10 o'clock at night the 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 school officially closed at five but the instructor says, look, I'll open it. I'll take an hour dinner, but I'll open it up at six. I'm going to close it down at 10 o'clock if you want to come in. And I went in every night. I'm like, I'm not screwing around. I'm going to do this. So I did it, went to school for two weeks. And by the time I had all my sea time in, went down to Portland, Portland Coast Guard, tested, passed all three courses, all three tests. One day, bam, I got my license like holy shit now what i'm a licensed captain yep i'm a licensed captain and not all and i'm not fit just fishing i was inspected i was inspected that okay so so you can get a tonnage license for fishing vessels only or or you can go extra and above and it's just a matter of taking extra uh, tests and then you can be licensed for inspected vessels, which is passenger carrying, mineral and oil, and freight and tow. And you're good for all those. So and you could be that drunk guy driving the Valdez. I could. Well, I don't have that kind of tonnage. <laughs> That's unlimited. You know, but I had I had a five hundred ton inspected license at that time. So and and I knew I kind of checked around the Newport fleet. I was talking to some guys down there, but you know what? I was done with that 78, 80 foot, 85 foot, 80, you know, I was done with that size. I wanted big, the bigger, the better. So this guy that I'd worked for on the Donna Genoveva, 
which is a 123-foot high house Marco. Uh, just a foot longer and a high house compared to to the uh, uh, Jack's boat, the Columbia. You know, I call it Jack's boat. I just, yeah. Everyone does. Yeah. And, uh, well, Lloyd's boat, the Storm Petrol, same same haul. Donna Genevieve and Storm Petrol, same boat. 123s. 123-foot high houses. So I'd already worked on that boat uh, for uh, Walter Kerr Jr., Walter Kerner Sr. was kind of the old man. He's the one that first hired me on the Genoveva, but never actually worked for him. Junior came up, took over the boat, and I kind of became Junior's guy, right? And so I talked with Junior, and I says, hey, do you got anything going? You know, what's that, What's going on with Genoveva? And he goes, well, you know what? He goes, we just bought a new boat. We're bringing it around from Alabama. This is when I still going to school, you know, to get my captain's license. He goes... It's coming around from, actually, not Louisiana. He goes, it's coming around right now. He goes, if you get your mate's license. I go, I'm going for a captain's license. I don't care about captain's license. You need your mate's license. If you get your mate's license, if you get your license by the time he gets up here, you got the job. If you don't, you don't got the job. There's a little bit of motivation there because I knew That's that. That's why you're pushing those. Yeah. yeah, yeah and, and so, class. Yeah, yeah. So, so. Uh, so I, I got it, and then I got up here, and I got the I got the 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 mate's job, and which is the Doña Polita. Doña Polita is the Northern Patriot. She was a gold and white, or no, no. She, the original name was the Lou Pelham. That is the original name when she was uh, off uh, in the oil supply industry, and in, they called it an off, tip, offshore supply boat. But we all call it mud boat, okay, because they carried liquid mud. Uh, liquid mud is cement, liquid cement, okay. But that was in 1987, and I have been on that boat since 1987. And uh, so we put down in the engine room. And well, I never was the engineer because I was the mate. Oh, Man. license, right? Yeah, it's licensed. Yeah, need license, mate need licensed captain need licensed engineer and so went and uh and we put it through shipyard up in dakota creek uh made it into a fishing vessel took it up to alaska in uh late january of 88 as and i was the mate and it was in it was in kind of later 80 88 um october november he goes and it was Walter Jr. who was running the boat. He, it was his thing. It was his gig. And he goes, you know what? I want to go home. You ready to drive? I was an 88 at that time. I was, I think I had, I had just turned 27 years old. Hell yeah, I'm ready to drive. And yeah. Get, and getting the keys yeah. to that boat? Yeah. Getting the keys? I am, I am, I am ready. I am ready. You know, I, this is what... I've worked for, I'm ready. So I, I got the boat and, uh, you know, I've listened to a couple of the podcasts. One of the guys said, talk about bullshit. Eh, maybe a little bit of bullshit there. Yeah. I mean, I knew how to do stuff. I did. I that really, was Derek's. Yeah, it was Remember Derek's. Derek's? He yeah. was like, I yeah, well, my way into the yeah, well, but, but he figured I, it out. I did not fake my way into the wheelhouse. I knew it, but I made as captain, I did make some greenhorn mistakes. You know, but you live and learn, right? The first time, I never actually docked the boat. Here's this 165-foot boat, 
you know, and the first time I go to dock it, I started about a half mile out from the dock, and I'm trying to sidewalk it from a half mile out, and I'm going nowhere. I'm I'm up against the wind, and oh god, it was it was ugly. You know, I finally got it in. You know, it was it took me two hours, but I got it in. It didn't bump anything. You know, it was well, good. Isn't but, it, isn't it the uh, the best advice is uh, if you're nervous, go slower. Mm-hmm. Right. Just yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, well, with me, I was it was, it was inexperienced. But anyway, when I got this so, boat, that's what I was told. So okay, I got the keys to the boat, and and I ran, and I did a good job. I I did, you know. Uh, the next season, uh, he was a short season. Nine eighty nine was a short season. He took the whole thing, but then in in um, nineteen ninety, him and I started splitting the boat fifty fifty. And I got a lot of wheelhouse time, and I was just going, I was just captain at that point. And so, how was your crew? Uh, crew is great. You know, I still have a couple of the crew members. Yeah. You know, I have two original crew members on that boat. Three of us are original crew members on that boat. Who are those? Uh, Mark Evinger and Matthias Leite. Yeah, both great guys. Both great guys. You know, so my my crew my wife calls them my second family you know i'm out there for it now it's seven and a half months seven months something like that but it's been eight and a half nine months out there on that boat year in year out and and so my wife just calls it the second family it's my second family and so and we are we're like family on there you know of course with the family you know you know yeah you have the brothers that are bickering occasionally, but we're we're a band of brothers, and we get along great. We do. That bond and forms over time, right? It does. Right? Oh, it does. It does. It's <laughs> not immediate, but you know, I I've always treated the Northern Patriot as. Oh wait, it wasn't Northern Patriot. Then. No, it was the Doña Polita, but it so more about the tradition. Okay, so. So interesting story in the transition. So we we were the Doña Polita until August of 2000. And then Trident had been a 50% owner in that company for, I don't know, four or five years, six years, something like that. And then something happened, not sure, don't want to go into it. There's a They split the sheets. And there was three boats involved. And so... Uh, you can't cut a boat in the middle. Someone's going to end up with two and someone's going to end up with one. Well, Nina Fisheries at the time, which is um, Bob Desitel and Walter Kerr Jr., they ended up with the Doña Martita and tried to end up with the Doña Liliana, which became the Sovereignty, and the Doña Polita, which became the Northern Patriot. They're like and, twin boats. Oh, they are. Well, all three of them are. I haven't all seen the third one. Yeah, well, and the third one doesn't look like it because it's been transformed. It was lengthened. It was not sponsored, but it was lengthened. The The working deck was raised one deck. The The wheelhouse was raised one deck. It's 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 a ni really nice boat, first-class boat, and is now the Bering Defender. Oh, I've seen that boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. beautiful boat. Yeah, that's the old Doña Martina. Used to same hull as, uh, as as us two, same exact hull, built in the same yard, and, and the whole bit. So anyway, so so we had uh, all three boats built in the same yard. So transition comes. 
you know, both owners, you know, well, not owners, but the management, you know, is, is um, they came on board, they gave us a talk, we're switching, everything's going to stay the same, don't worry, you know, we're going to do it. You that's know. always a speech, Okay, right? yeah, that's always a speech. We started fishing, and after, we just had gotten done with the whole Bristol Bay tendering season, because we we'd always did Bristol Bay tendering. And we get done with that, we'd have a week or two layup, and then we start with the Pollock. And so my mate says to me, I need, I, I think I need some time off. This is about two weeks after, after the transition had been made. He says, I think I need some time off. Well, I knew this guy. He'd worked on and off for me for 10 years. And he was a good guy. I, he's my mate, you know? I mean, he... 10 years he was and he was a good guy you gotta trust him right? and and he says i i need some time off and i go like now do you need to go now he goes no a couple trips you know if you could just get the word out you know a couple trips i i need to take off and i said okay that's fine so we take off and at the time the sea lion conservation area which is this vast amount of the eastern Bering sea was close to pollock fishing permanently at the time okay for sea lion conservation so we had to go or sea lion buffet whatever you want to call it well it was the sea lions were going down without a doubt scientific it, the sea lion population was going down they did not know why one of the things was maybe it's fishing maybe it's commercial fishing well it turns out it wasn't and they they opened it all up you know and it's all good but but at the time, what you know, they didn't know, and so hey, you know, boom, we have an endangered species. We're stopping. We're closing off this section of the Bering Sea. So we were traveling, oh, 16 hours. I'll just say, you know, something like that, uh, to get out legal in the in the open area, and and so we get out there. We're gonna be we're gonna be legal about oh 11:30 at night. And so I'd driven quite a bit during the day. And then, then I got that mate up there. Take it, take it to here, wake me up. I'm going to take a nap. We'll be legal. Then I'll get up and start looking for fish. So I do. He does. He takes the watch. I take a nap. He gets me up. And uh, I start driving. And I'm looking. And, and he's there. And he just kind of chats for a minute. And he goes down below. And. Then he pops up and he looks at the chart a little bit, he takes the dividers and he's looking at the chart, you know, and he goes down below, doesn't say a word. You know, I'm thinking, oh, but either one, he's a little half bubble off plum anyway, right? You know, great guy, but ha always half bubble off plum, if you know what I mean there, right? So, so anyway, then I'm driving, I'm not seeing shit. There's no fish sign here. And I'm zigging, I'm zagging, and, and then Mark, Avenger, he comes up the wheelhouse and he's hanging around with me. He's about midnight now. He's kind of hanging around with me and and then uh, I don't know. It's it's one o'clock. There's no fish here. Everyone had been up to the northwest. I went to the northeast, up above Amen, to try and look around. Well, we're going to turn and we're going to go to uh, over to the fleet and and we'll peruse this area. So I'm going to take it take a nap here you know it's he goes well you want me to take it you know i'm a wide awake sure go ahead take it so i i go and lay down 
and he wakes me up about four in the morning says I don't think Tracy's on board Tracy's me says what do you mean what do you, what, what what the hell what do you mean Tracy's not on board you know I mean I'm popping right awake and Eddie goes I don't think Tracy's on board you go upstairs and you ring the general alarm right now and we're waking everyone up. We had a brand new observer who was single. Tracy was single. I'm thinking, ah, oh, you know, well, Could man. be a, a yeah, yeah. We're gonna we'll check it out, right? So I I jump up and and everyone gets up with a gentle alarm and Tracy's not one of them. And I go, okay, search the boat. So they search the boat. You know, I slow down and uh, and they search the boat. They come back and they said Tracy's not on board. I said. That's your mate. Uh, yeah, that's my mate. Bullshit. He's on board. He's on board somewhere. Luck. Luck. And so they go and they come back again. They said, nope, nope, Tracy's not on board. And I says, God damn it. Freaking luck. You know, I'm not screwing around here. It's a big boat, though. Yeah. I, you go up on the bow. You look in the chain locker. You go up in the stacks and the fiddlies. Because there's been other people in the past that have tried to fake their death on other boats and they've hid in the in the stacks and up in the fiddlies and they've you know to try and fake their deaths you know for whatever reason we don't need to go into that now but anyway it's happened so so they came back and they said he's not on board and not only that we found an empty survival suit bag and empty boots over here on the port side by the main wire winch and a letter and a letter nope no, we haven't found that yet. Okay. And a missing life ring. And I go, oh shit. Look for the letter. There's got to be a letter. He's got, they always leave a letter. But I'm thinking to myself, he did not want to die. Why would he put on a survival suit? Why would he take a life ring? He didn't want to die. What's going on? So, so they, they went and they, they looked and I, they came back and said, don't see a letter. Go look again. So they, they went down. They came back. And they We found it. They cut it out. There was a cardboard box of paper towels in his upper bunk in his room. And, and he'd wrote in a Sharpie on that. And they cut it out and they showed it to me. And on that it said, like, you know, I should listen to the foxes up on the hill. And I'm kind of paraphrasing. I'm, I can't remember exactly what it said. Exactly. But there was that line, and then uh, I want to be with my friends, the orcas, and I want to swim with the sea lions. And uh, it's, he said, it is midnight, and I'm on watch. I'll see you guys later. And I thought to myself, he's trying to swim home. Something has, something's changed. He's trying to swim home. So, you know, I'm calling this into the Coast Guard. I'm calling it into the company. Yeah, I'm calling it into the company boats. I'm trying to get boats to come and search. And of course, no one wants, the, the whole fleet is 100 miles away. No one come help me, you know? And uh, to a guy that jumped overboard, you know? And so, but the, uh, luckily Christian uh, AC was, is, he he gets in the office shortly afterwards and he hears all this stuff and he orders the whole fleet to come help me 
and so so that's good so i got some help but i'm backtracking i i have my track line because i was making a track line. Yeah, yeah. i was i always make a track line and i i flicked on my my sodium lights which are we, you know, we call it Norwegian sunshine, you know, so you can see all the and, big, and, bright, and lights big bright lights and I'm coming and I am, I am focused on navigating and keeping right on that track line and, and plus look now, but I got everyone up and I got everyone in a window, right? You know, that quadrant, that quadrant, all, every single quadrant is, quadrant is covered. And, you know, look, look for flashing lights, the, the blinking of the strobe light of, you know, look for anything. So we're coming back and, you know, I'm doing all the communications and, and I figured, okay, we knew that last time we saw him was 1230 at night. So I did the math and I knew that this point he was on board. We got to that point by this time it's daylight and, and boats are coming to help, but there's no one really here, but the coast guard's up and flying. They have is either two C-130 fixed wing aircrafts and a helicopter or vice versa. Two helicopters and one fixed wing C-130 aircraft. But they're up there flying and they're flying just their kind of grids, right? And so I turned around and I'm, and I'm going back. But I knew the current was flooding, which would be pushing to the northeast. And so I go, well, I'm just going to slide over a quarter mile. And I'm going to go a quarter mile off my track line. And I headed on up. And we got about not long, an hour, maybe. I, I'm not sure, maybe an hour, up there. And then Mark finds him. He sees him. says, there he is. And we look, and, and there he is, and he's waving to us. So I'm on the radar. We, we see him, we see him, we got him, we, yeah, we see him, he's over here, you know. You know what? turn right towards them. The guys go out and they get the Jacob ladder over the side and and we come up on them and they throw him a line and he's he he's awake, you know. He's re he's ready to be picked up now. He's gone for his all swim, he's ready to get picked up. And we pick him up. But Mark it's been 10 hours. 11 hours something like that since he went overboard we've been looking a while it's been a while so there's a whole thing about you know health concerns and what's going on and so i went down and and he he just peeled off his survival suit and went right to the shower i'm taking a shower everything okay and it's kind of weird the first thing he says out of his out of his mouth you know he didn't want the guys to help him on board yeah, he wanted to get on board himself, and the first words out of his mouth was, "Did Howard make radio schedule?" So we made radio schedule every, you know, three times a day, and the guys are like, "Yeah, yeah, Howard, Howard made radio schedule. It's okay, Tracy." Well, I'm taking a shower. Peels off his survival suit, goes on in to uh, to the shower, right? And so I'm talking to the Coast Guard, and, and uh, so they want me to take his vitals. He gets out of the shower. He gets down and. And he is in his going to town clothes, which means dressed to go to town. Yeah, he is ready. To, shoes, he right. is he is ready to get on the plane right now. And I says, dude, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta take your vitals here. I'm a little, a little cautious, you know. And uh, and he says, says, yeah, okay, you know. So I take his vitals. His vitals are good. And 
and uh, so I go report the vitals to to the uh, Coast Guard and the Coast Guard says okay now I got a question do you want to take him to town or do you want us to take him to town and if we do take him to town is it going to be a danger to to us or our aircraft and I go you know what we have we have uh, we got we got a lot of paperwork to do we're gonna have a lot of stuff to do why don't I just take him to town they said that's fine that's fine you're it's he's all yours you know and so we took him to town now the the owner of the of of the company he had he had called in to thank me for picking him up and also to tell me to he wanted me to shackle him into his bunk and i knew you know this guy's he's a friend of mine you know like i said i knew him for 10 years i'm not gonna shackle him, man yeah the guy went crazy he's obviously he's crazy but but uh, I'm not going to shackle them in, but I told the guys, look, we're going to do two-person watches. One person's going to be driving the boat, and one person's going to be on Tracy watch. And we had these big, huge Ziploc ties, kind of like cops, you know, and I said, and I got them all pre, pre-loaded, you know, all stuck through the little holder, and we're ready to zip tie. And I says, if this guy flinches, we're taking him down, you know, but I'm not going to shackle him. Uh, we we headed <laughs> off to town, and he actually was pretty docile the whole way. Kept on wondering when we're going to get to town. He was ready, he's ready, and you know I really do believe he just snapped. Well, as it turns out, he spent some time in the Alaska Psychiatric Institute, and then he was he uh, was released to his family, and they put him in a psychiatric institute. It turns out he was schizophrenic. You know, hearing voices and the whole bit, which turns out to be what the what the note was about was all those voices, you know, which were animals. But it was about an out. Is about a year later, he calls up the uh, the boat or calls excuse me calls up the former company, and says to the former company, you know what, I'm only now just realizing what's going on, and could you please let the boat know that I'm just very thankful for them too, that they picked me up and they did what they did. But you know what, he, we brought him back. We brought him back alive. And that, I gotta tell you, he came on board. You know, everyone else is on deck, they loaded him on. And I'm standing there, I'm at the controls. And my, my legs just went to rubber. That was the best moment, yeah. Uh, that, that went to rubber, I kind of, Use my arms. I propped myself up on the chair, and just started weeping. I was so happy. It wasn't tears of despair, tears of joy. We found them. We found them after all that time. We found them. We're bringing them back live. Yeah. That's gonna be a tough way to end this here. You know. Anything. Are we out of time? We are. We are way over time again. Oh. Crap. No, you could talk like none other, but I appreciate it. I love it. I guess at this point, we're going we're gonna to stop. Okay. But yeah. um, we have to go for part three at some point. Uh, not tonight. We barely, no, not tonight. Barely got into the, the Northern Patriot. But uh, remember, guys, uh, ALS event, May 15th. Howard will not be there. He's on a big vacation. I am. He's writing a big check, though. 
was an ALS fundraiser. Remember, guys, our goal is $60,000. Trident Seafoods will help with that with their sitting their food truck out, the uh, Fork and Fin. And uh, you've had that truck. You know, I never have. Are you serious? I never it's have. It's all your freaking fish. I know it, but you <laughs> know what? I don't live in Seattle. It's... I live in Anacortes. <laughs> Wild Alaska Pollock, guys. Uh, but come out, uh, buy something off of it. Uh, Trident will give 100% of all uh, sales to the ALS fundraiser. In Pat Dwyer's name. And uh, I encourage you all to follow, like, subscribe, share, please. And write in the letters to mark at galleystories.net. And we will see you next time. Hey, Mark, thank yeah. you. Thank you very much for, for <laughs> listen, putting up with me. Because, you know, this I shouldn't take up two episodes. Now, you know, I'm not even done. It's been epic. It's been <laughs> epic. I can go a third one. Because uh, you kind of broke down there in the middle a little bit, you know. You know, you, your your first one was really fluid. Second one was more the the captain side, the pristine captain side, yeah. the, the the steps. Yeah. And then towards the end there, you got back into the story side, and we're still recording. I know we are. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, maybe on the third one, we'll come back and reconnect. But amazing story, amazing story, Howard. I mean. I can't appreciate you sharing it enough. Wow! When, when well, I heard thanks. you talk about uh, losing the losing the man, early. yeah, yeah, Amazing. it still hits me hard. I'm I'm sure it does. It I'm does. sure it does. And you know, a lot of guys in our fleet, in our industry, have experienced something like that, but they don't share it. Mm -hmm. So we appreciate you sharing it. You know, fishing can be a really good life. Man, it can be a really hard life, too. The fishing has treated me very, very well. You have a great family from it? You have I do. I do. And and Thank uh, God for Patty paying all the rent. Uh, it is. And, and she has been my biggest supporter. She really has, you know. She has championed me on, you know. But it has provided a good life, but it can be a, it can be a hard life. It can be a sad life yeah. as well. You know, it's all the above. Take it all on above. <laughs> I'm taking up more of your time. I'm sorry. No, we're all good. We're all good. All right, guys. Uh, again, another episode of Galley Stories. Probably the second one in a row here. Uh, I'm your host, Mark Kaler, and we will see you next time. <laughs>